Jeff just got through reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, which of course the book of Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom and dealing with life. The whole point of the book is that life here on this earth without God is empty, is vanity, is, everything is vanity and how important that we need to have God. But as you get to the very end of this book in chapter 12 and Solomon comes to his conclusion, uh, he says something odd. He says, of the making of books, there is no end. Of the making of books, there is no end. And when we get to the conclusion of our lesson, we'll say some more about that. But I think we'll have to, first of all, agree with Solomon that of the making of books, there is no end. Every single year, somebody else comes out with another book, not just one person, but many people. There's many new books in the bookstore every single day, even though we can go to a library and we can find more volumes we could ever read in our entire lifetime. I don't know about you, but I enjoy reading. I think one of the reasons that whatever talent I may have uh, in order to preach or teach Bible class or do anything other things in life is because at a very young age, I learned to love to read. And not only read mater- uh, religious materials, but I enjoy reading history books because it allows me to go back in time and relive moments that took place in the past, even though I was not alive during that time. Uh, I like uh, reading about faraway places. There are places that I know, no matter how hard I work at it, no matter how much money I may save, there's no way in the world I'll ever be able to visit that place. But I can go get a book and read about that place and visit that place in my mind. Also, I can read biographies of famous men or women that I've never met and never will have the opportunity to meet because they are already passed away. But yet I can see at their look at their lives and learn from their uh, accomplishments and their mistakes and, and feel like I have a closeness to this person. Uh, there's no way in the world that I'll ever be an astronaut, but I can read about what other people did who were astronauts and learn about their training, learn about their life, learn about their experiences. Books are a wonderful, wonderful way for us not only to learn but relive special moments in the lives of others and special events in history and allow us to do things that we could not do if we did not have these books. I don't know about you, but perhaps you've even considered writing a book from time to time. Um, I don't know if I'll ever do it now because of my age, but there were times when I was younger, I thought, you know, I need to write a commentary on this particular book. I need to share my thoughts with other people. And maybe the reason why I haven't done that, because I'm just lazy in some ways, or maybe I didn't think it would be accepted, but I have thought about writing a book or two from time to time. And that may be something that you don't think you have a talent for, and so maybe you've never ever considered that. But this morning, I want you to think about the fact that each and every one of you, regardless of who you are, you are indeed writing a book right now. You are writing a book that people are going to read. But more importantly, you are writing a book that God is going to read. This morning, I want to spend some time talking about the idea that every man is an author. And by man, I'm not excluding the women. All people are authors. That's just the proper way to do it in the English. But every person here is an author. You're writing a book day by day, page by page, 
that everyone's going to see, but more importantly, God is going to see. Our lesson is very simple this morning, but something we need to very seriously consider about as we live our lives, because each one of us is writing a book. First of all, this morning, I want you to think about this particular point. In a certain sense, everything that we say, think, or do becomes a part of our life record. It is the book that every person is writing. In our class on Sunday morning, we've been studying the life of Abraham. Now, I don't know if Abraham realized that when he was living his life, that, you know, almost 8,000 years later, we'd be reading his book, uh, the book of his life and the things that he did, his accomplishments and his failures, his great way that he showed his faith and the great way he didn't show his faith. I don't know if he realized that we were going to be reading his life, but in Bible class, we are studying his life and we are picking it apart. People are making comments, well, I think he did it this way because of this reason. And other people are saying, no, I think he did it this way because of this reason. We are criticizing and we're praising him. His life is before us. And as we go through God's Word, we see other examples of this. We have uh, Moses, where we see his uh, failures and accomplishments. We read stories about King David and how he was a man after God's own heart, but yet he has problems in his life. And I don't know if they had any clue when they were living their lives that all these many years later, a group of Christians would be sitting in a Bible class on Sunday morning And we're learning all the details of that particular person's life, both good and bad. The thing I want you to consider this morning is the exact same thing is happening to you. No, you're not going to be in the Bible because the Bible's already completed. There may be somebody, because of who you are, that down the road they may write a book about your life. But my point is this morning that as you live your life, Though the handwriting may never be on an actual page, you are a person who is writing a book by the life that you live. Every single thing that you say, every single thing that you think, every single thing that you do becomes a part of a book that you are writing. A book that people will read now here in the present, that people will think about in the past after you're gone, but more importantly, a book that God is going to read. I don't know if you've ever thought about it from this standpoint, but you are writing a book day by day, page by page. The Apostle Paul understood this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3, he says, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. And I think that's a very beautiful and very vivid description of the kind of book that we are writing. Paul refers to it in the text as a letter. And of course he was making a point that he is writing a letter to the church at Corinth and he is saying that the lives that these people are living is his letter instead of what's actually being put on the page. But yet the point is, if we are really Christians, he says in verse 3 that you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. But notice once again he says this is not something that's been written down on a piece of paper. 
But this is something that's been written from our hearts and put into other people's hearts. Whether you want to admit it or not, maybe, whether you've ever even thought about it or not, each day that you live, you are writing a book, a record of every single thing that you think, every single thing that you say, and every single thing that you do. But here's something else to consider as we think about that. And it's simply this. We are writing a book with permanent ink. We are writing a book with permanent ink. In other words, once we have done the things that we have done on a particular day, and that day has come to a close, every single thing that we thought, every single thing that we said, every action that we took has now been written down in the record. It is permanent. It cannot change. It is there forever. However we spent that day, whatever we said to other people, whatever we did that was good or bad, whatever thought we had that was good or bad, at the close of that day, that page is written, it is permanently now sealed, and there's no way in the world you can ever change anything about what you have done. It is there permanently. Now you may think about that, and you may think, well, that's kind of absurd. There's always ways to erase things or change things, but even in this life, we understand that there are some records that are always permanent. You may not realize this, but even if you legally change your name, there's something that you cannot change about your record, and that is your birth certificate. Once that birth certificate has been issued, as I said, down the road, you may get a court order to change your name into something else, but still that birth certificate of who you originally were is still going to be the permanent record of your birth. That can't be altered. Nothing about the name can be altered. Nothing about the date can be altered. Nothing about the hour in which you were born can be altered. That is your permanent record of your birth. And once it's been signed off by the doctor and once it's been signed off by the clerk of court, that's your permanent record about your birth. When I was in high school, I had a principal that was from Ainer, South Carolina. And he grew up on a farm there as a very poor son of a sharecropper. And he was sharing with me one day uh, that when he was born, his father decided not to name him and simply called him Boy. His father's last name was Cook, so his name was Boy Cook. And that's what his birth certificate says. It says Boy Cook. And as he got older, he realized that he couldn't be called boy his entire life. And so he just picked a name out for himself. He called himself John C. Cook. And I asked him, what did the C stand for? He says, it doesn't stand for anything. I just thought it sounded cool with John. John C. Cook. Kind of had a ring to it. And since I got to pick out my own name, that's what I decided to pick. But his birth certificate says, boy Cook. I had a professor when I was at Freed Hardeman by the name of R.C. Oliver. I think I've shared this with you before. But his parents named him R.C. That's what it says on his birth certificate. And when he was drafted into the army, the uh, people of the powers that be wanted to make sure they had the record correct. And so they kept asking him as he was being inducted in, what is your name? And he says, R.C. Oliver. And they said, what does the R stand for? He says, it stands for nothing. What does the C stand for? It stands for nothing. It's only R and it's only C. R only C only. So on his army card it says Ronley Conley Oliver. My point is simply this, that a birth certificate, once it is there, is there. 
We sometimes tease the kids at school about how they need to be careful how they perform in school because it will go on their permanent record. And we have folders in school, uh, we call them cum folders, because in those folders is everything that a kid has done from the time they start kindergarten till the time they graduate from high school. And that's a permanent record. And that the... Uh, Counselors and the other school administration is very careful to make sure that all the necessary information is in those cumulative folders. We need to be very careful with our credit history because if we are not careful, we may make some mistakes as far as borrowing money and not paying it back. And that record of how you dealt with your creditors is going to follow you around. Even after seven years when certain things don't count, still there are marks left on your credit and make people weary of you. My point is, even in this life, we understand there are some things that once they are done, they are done, they are permanent, but how much more is it the case? When we think about the book that we are writing, the fact that we are author of a book, that things that we think, that we say, that we do, are written down and they are there forever. They cannot be changed. A long, long time ago, and I don't know why his name got covered up with a picture, but Omar Khayyam is the guy's name, and he was born in 1040 and died in 1131. But he was one of the fathers of geometry and, and algebra. Lived many, many years ago. And he was a brilliant man when it came to these particular type of things, but he also had some good thoughts that he would often put down in poetry. And he wrote these particular words, about the finality of life. He says, The moving finger writes, and having writ moves on, nor all your piety or wit can lure it back to cancel half a line. Every man is an author because he is writing a book, and every man is writing a book that's been going to be written with permanent ink. But with that in mind, if we are indeed writing a book, and that book is written with permanent ink. Here is something we need to consider very, very much, very importantly. And that is simply that God is going to read your book. In this life, there will be others who will read the book that you're writing. It might be family members, might be friends, co-workers, neighbors, or whatever. But the thing that we need to understand this morning is this book that we're writing day to day is going to be read by God. It's going to be read by God. Notice how the scriptures put it. In Matthew 16, 27, it says, For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. In other words, what does your book say about you? What records does it exhibit? What does it say about the life that you live? Jesus Christ comes in the second coming and there's going to be the great judgment day. We're going to be rewarded by what we have written in our book. In fact, the book of Revelation in verse 12 puts it this way. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now, I've always been fascinated about this passage because we have before us, of course, in a symbolic way, the judgment day, and we have people being judged, and everybody's going to be judged, the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And it says in the middle of that verse, 
and books were opened. Books were opened. Now, the Bible is very clear what one of the books is, and that is the Lamb's Book of Life. Other places in the book of Revelation refers to the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's a book that represents those who are going to be saved. And, of course, we need to ask ourselves, are our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life? But the thing that's always been of interest to me is it says in the latter part of it, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. What are those books? What books is he talking about? It's plural. There's more than one, so it's got to be more than just the Lamb's book of life. Well, there are some people who believe that it's talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament, that our lives will be judged by the covenant that we lived under. Was it under the Old Testament or under the New Testament? How did our lives parallel to the Old and the New Testament in relationship to whether or not we're in the Lamb's book of life? And that may be the case. But it also may be the case that one of the books that's going to be open is the book of James Farr or the book of Roger Lott or the book of Frank Smith or the book of anyone here that on the judgment day as they open the Lamb's book of life, the other book that are going to be open is the book of each and every one of our lives. And that's going to be left, look, looked open. And from the time I was born till the time I was, died, every page is going to be scrutinized. And it's written there in permanent ink. And everything that I have thought, everything that I have said, everything that I have done, both good and evil, is going to be exposed and it's going to be compared to the Lamb's book of life. And that's the books that are being opened, the books of our lives. In fact, the Bible goes on and says, according to what they had done as recorded in the books, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he had done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. In other words, Paul is saying there is a judgment day coming. And as we've already pointed out, the book of our life is going to be opened up and exposed for God to read. And therefore, we as Christians have a responsibility because we know the judgment of God and how that God can't tolerate sin and how we're going to be judged about the things we have done in the body, whether they be good or bad. We need to persuade other people to become Christians. But don't miss the underlying point. We are writing a book And that book one day is going to be opened and God is going to see it. Another way it's put, it says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17, The Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work past the time of your sore joining here in fear. Now you realize the full impact of what Peter is saying there. He's saying our heavenly Father who one day will judge us Regardless of who we are, God's no respecter of persons. We're no different from everybody else. Everybody's going to be a judge the same way. And the way we're going to be judged is by the life that we have lived here on this earth. And so he makes the point, we need to make sure that as we pass your time of sojourning here, in other words, as you live your life, Realize you are writing a book, a book with permanent ink that God is going to read 
We need to live our lives in fear or rather in respect of the fact that God who is without respect of persons is going to judge us according to our work one day. Psalmist puts it like this. He says, the measure of our life is 70 years, and if through strength it may be 80 years, its pride is only trouble and sorrow, for it comes to an end and we are quickly gone. He says, the measure of our life or the average lifespan is 70 years. And even if we so happen to live to for 80 years, we need to understand that eventually we are going to die And in the scheme of things, that happens very, very quickly. So he makes the point in verse 12, So give us knowledge of the number of our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. In other words, teach us to number our days, as the King James says it, because our lives that we are living are writing a book, and that book is permanent ink, and one day God's going to read that book. I figured it out just in case you're wondering, but if... The number of our days is 70 years. That means we have 25,000 days to live. I realize that people live longer than 70, and I realize people die before 70, but if we hit the average, we have 25,000 days to live here on this earth. The psalmist is wanting us to take account of each one of those days. He wants us to realize that each one of us, as we live our lives, we are writing a book. And that book has permanent ink. And one day, God is going to read that book. To get back to what we began our lesson with, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. NIV says, Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them, of making of many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now, you read that at face value, Perhaps what the wise man Solomon had in mind is that there are other things that we need to concentrate on this life. And he was even talking about the book that he was written. The book he wrote was a book of wisdom. And he was hoping that people would take this book of wisdom that he had written and that they would study it and they would come to the same conclusion that he did. But he also understood that his book was just a book among many books. That the making of books, there is no end. And we could spend all our time trying to find every book and try to find every one of them and try to study them and learn them. But there's no way in the world we could ever do that. He even brings up the fact that, that it much study wearies the body. And his book was just another book among those books. But there's also those who believe that if you read between the lines that there was um, a spiritual context here, something else that was going on that he wanted us to think about. When he says of the making of books, there is no end, he was talking about how that each and every one of us, even though we did not write a book like Solomon wrote a book that we now have in our Bibles, even though we may never write a book of any type, as far as this world is concerned, on paper to pen or pen to paper. Yet each and every one of us are writing books because each and every one of us, as we are born into this world and live our lives, we are writing a book. And therefore, each one of us, the making of books, there is no end because as long as there's someone alive, then someone is writing a book. 
But then you go on and think about the fact, and much study wearies the body. I don't know about you, but if you really want to get yourself wore out, if you really want to get yourself tired, if you really want to be discouraged in your mind, go back and start flipping through the pages of your life and the book that you're writing. And you think about how that the life that you have lived has affected yourself, how it has affected others, and you think about the fact that it's with permanent ink. It will weary the body. And so the reason why people think this is because of the conclusion or the thing he says right after this of making of many books there is no end and much study wearies the body. He says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. In other words, we need to understand and appreciate the fact that every man and woman here is an author. They are writing a book that will contain every thought, every Word, every action that we have done in our lives. And that actions and words and thoughts are written with permanent ink. And God's going to read that book one day. Now, I don't know how much you've paid attention this morning to the slides that we have up here. But this slide is a little bit different from the slide you saw earlier that said God will read your book. The thing that is different this time is right down here. You see, there's an eraser down here, and that eraser is Jesus. Yes, everything we do in our lives is written in a book, and it's written in permanent ink, but there's one way to get that record expunged. There's one way to get that permanent ink erased. It defies comprehension because it is permanent ink. It is supposed to be there forever. We have done the deed. We have thought the thought. We have said the words. They have been done. There's no way in the world to change that. But yet because of the blood of Jesus Christ, it's like he picks up this eraser and he looks at the book that we have written and he looks at the pages there that are stained with sin and failures and shortcomings and misgivings and he takes his blood as a big eraser and he erases those things. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah foretold this in the coming age that the writer of Hebrews applies, of course, to this day and age. And he says in Jeremiah 31 and verse 34, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This morning, the only way that you're going to take care of that book that you are writing with permanent ink that God will see one day is understand that the only way that you have any hope at the conclusion of the book that you're writing of spending eternity with God is to use that eraser, Jesus Christ. There was a poem that uh, caused the idea of this particular sermon. We don't know who the author is, but I've known it for a long, long time. But the idea of this sermon came from this particular poem, and we're going to close with it today. The name of the poem is The Book of Life, and the poem goes like this. I closed another chapter in my book of life today and paused for meditation as I laid the book away. I thought of smudgy pages where the record was not clear and dreary lines of trouble clouded over by doubt 
and fear. It is now too late to alter any script that's dried and set. The story's far from perfect, but it's vain to stew and fret. I ask the Lord to pardon the mistakes that mar the book and give grace and courage by a hope-filled, Christward look. So now there lies before me a new chapter, clean and white, and I hope to write its pages so the plot will turn out right. I trust the final chapters will the master's plan reveal and weave the many fragments to depict a life that's real. This morning, if you're not a Christian, well, you have a permanent record that says that you are a sinner, that you deserve to be lost, and that book is going to be open on the judgment day, and it's going to be compared to the New Testament, to the book of life, and that book that you have written is going to judge whether or not you're going to spend eternity in heaven or spend eternity in hell. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, that book is like a uh, a noose that is hanging around your neck, and it will be there, and it will cause you to lose your soul. But this morning, it doesn't have to be that way. That book that you have written, we can take the blood of Jesus Christ because of your willingness to obey His command and be baptized for the remission of your sins and let the blood of Jesus Christ wash away that permanent ink and have God say to us, I will remember their sins and iniquities no more. The only real freedom we have in this life is freedom in Jesus Christ. If you want freedom from your permanent record, want freedom from that book that you're writing, want freedom from that permanent ink, you need to respond to His grace and mercy this morning. As together we stand and sing the invitation song.